श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय श्री श्री गोराधम की जय श्री गोवर्धन पूज महामोत्सव तिथि की जय गोर भक्तवृंद की जय गोर प्रेमानंदे वेलकम एवरीवन गिवन द ओकेजन ऑफ द गोवर्धन पूजा आई विल विल डिपार्ट फ्रॉम आवर नॉर्मल कोर्स ऑफ डिस्कसिंग as we have been chatting with Charita Amrita and um, entertain a discussion centered around the Gopardan Leela at Gopardan Puja significance um, for us as followers of Sriman Gorsundar Gorsundar ki jai Radha Madhava ki jai so we know that uh, the Gopardan Puja is described in the ancient text Srimad Bhagavatam and it is a very um significant uh leela of of Krishna a leela in the braj itself where the word the sanskrit word leela most uh, fully applies as i've explained before outside of vrindavan in mathura and dwaraka the words the actions the, of krishna do not um express hmm, in the same measure the concept of leela all that the word implies means its ramifications play is um the exclusive domain of uh, vrindavan the movements of krishna in vrindavan outside of vrindavan he has some work to do establishing the dharma hmm? speaking the bhagavad gita and so forth and so on and so even if you study the bhagavatam you'll see that the word leela is not used as uh, directly in any of the descriptions of the, the movements of krishna outside of vrindavan <clears throat> only that he effortlessly did something perhaps slate someone or something like that so anyway the realm of brindavan is the center focus of the of chaitanya mahaprabhu the gaudiya vaishnavas and the gobardhan leela plays a significant uh, role therein hmm. um and that shows up of course in the leela of chaitanya mahaprabhu itself and it is appropriate and customary for good reasons to say something about the gor leela and in this instance in this case uh, something about govardhan leela as it plays out in gor leela before we say anything directly excuse me further about krishna leela in vrindavan in other words the system is that and and this is really what we're hearing about in chaitanya charitamrita now it, it, in our discussions 
it's just about to come in a very strong, very strong language um, from the uh, lotus mouth, of, from, from the pen, the lotus pen of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. Hmm. He will say in our next session something to the effect that those who worship Krishna but do not worship Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm, he calls them asuras. Hmm. Very strong language. Huh? We have to go into explain that, of course. The point being hmm, that, that, of course, it's, it's very simple in a sense that if Krishna is coming in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and you ignore him in the name of worshipping Krishna, well, <laughs> who is the, who not only coming in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but coming to give Krishna in the language of, of Prabhupada as he is. Hmm? Right? That is other also means, as he is, means the Brajali, that's fine, Bhagavan, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, again, it's appropriate to, uh, to uh, this is our method of approach, the means to our madness, that we will approach the Krishna Leela through Gaur Leela. And there's so many parallels, obviously. As we said, I think, last night, there is some opening in the Krishna, in the center, the, the, the deepest reach within Krishna Leela. Looks like you've just got to the bottom of Krishna Leela, or to the top of it, however you may, let's say, the bottom of the ocean of Krishna Leela, and suddenly a door opens, right? And there's another Leela. That is, and if you understand it properly, of course, it's an extension of the Krishna. It 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 affords Krishna something that his own leela did not afford him. I say that Krishna leela was a failure. His pursuit of love was not fulfilled in that leela. There needed to be, and he's very creative fellow. Very um, um, I say um, resourceful. Hmm? Like Americans, they're resourceful people. Hmm? Krishna is very resourceful, um, <laughs> and uh, he, he uh, so another Leela coming forth, kind of like. A reverse jacket. I've given the example before, where it's a black jacket with gold cuffs, and then you turn it around, and it's a gold jacket with black cuffs. This is the difference between Krishna Leela and Gaur Leela, where the object of love takes the position of the of the vessel of love. So, the the Govardhan Leela is um, is, uh, is makes its appearance there in. In Gorlila, a number of places, and it has a very central message. Also, the uh, I say uh, I've often said that the um, I look at the the Bhagavatam as the theological sequel to the Bhagavad Gita, and this is a good example where the Bhagavad Gita leaves off. Sarvadharman pritta jama mekam sharanam braja. This verse of the Gita, 
surrender unto me, give up dharma, I will protect you, and so forth. This statement is the, the, the central um, point that the entire Govardhan Leela is, uh, is arising out of. So if you want to make a philosophical point and then tell a whole story to explain it. So this is an example, as I say, of how the, the Krishna Leela is the sequel to the to the, the Bhagavatam, I should say, is the, is the sequel to the um, to the Gita, theologically speaking. We'll go into it. Um, but uh, that's a central point, obviously, in the Gita. Krishna is giving the statement there, and he's teaching how to enter into his world. Um, so, it's not that the Matura and the Dwarka Leelas aren't useful to us, are important when I say that they're not the full expression of Leela, but they're showing us how to enter into the full spirit of Leela. This is the, the central message of the Gita, as understood by the Godias, how to find Krishna in, in Vrindavan, from Kurukshetra to Vrindavan. And this is central to that, Sharanagati, to surrender and so forth. So, it uh, it uh, shows up in the Gorlila. I, I would say that uh, perhaps the uh, first instance of that is in the very uh, kind of worldly genesis of the Gorlila in terms of its being uh, its setting of a lineage, sampradaya, uh, teaching. Jiva Goswami in his Sarvasambhadini has described. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was the founder of his own sampradayas, own lineages, lineages stemming from him, like, like um, various uh, streams from the Ganges as it enters into the Bay of Bengal, stemming from his different associates' roots, Sanatana, the Vasamis, the Nityananda Prabhu, the Garadra Parivar, so on and so forth. He's the founder, Jiva Goswami says, of his own sampradaya. And that said, in, in relation to the lineage itself, the sampradaya, we know that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had a guru. We've heard the beautiful uh, explanation of, from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in speaking to Prakashananda Saraswati um, as to what he heard from his guru, what, what instructions he was given, how he took them to heart, and what was the uh, result. It was very extraordinary and very pleasing to his guru. I've given instructions, you do like this. Chant Krishna Nam, Krishna Mantra, and when Mahabharata reported the results back, and he was very pleased with him. This is Ishwar Puri, of course. And Ishwar Puri had a guru, uh, Madhavendra Puri, who was also the guru of Nityananda Prabhu and other um, senior associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, senior in age and and uh, whatnot in the context of, of the Leela. And it's said by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami that Madhavendra Puri, in him the seed of what we find the fruit and flower of when the person of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is found. Hmm. So early 
beginnings manifesting in Madhavendra Puri, an important uh, person. And the Govardhan Leela and its prominence in War Leela draws uh, first uh, our minds, as I say, chronologically to Madhavendra Puri and the respect Mahaprabhu showed for um, Madhavendra Puri in terms of his own experience at Govardhan Hill where he is depicted as a Sharanagata. Right? Mm. It is said that Madhavendra Puri, and the story is told in Chaitanya Charitamrita, was living in the Braj and he kept himself uh, such that he did not do anything directly himself to maintain himself by way of having a job, to get money, to get food. Um, and neither, neither did he accept, did he beg, neither did he beg, which is... Uh, that sounds like a bad thing, guys, in the Western culture, but there's a place for beggars, the, the, the bhikshu, the, the, the beggar, the, the, the madhukari. Madhukari was the system of the tyagis, the renunciates in the Braj. Madhukari. Kari means to make, and madhu means honey. So bees make honey. How do they make honey? They go from one flower to the next, to the next, to the next, and they collect a little pollen. Hmm? They don't stay in one flower. So the Madhukari is the system for renunciates. It's a, it's a system, if you will, in the Braj, that's that, that, so that a, a, a renunciate come to your door and beg, and then it's understood that, oh, there's a sadhu here, he's begging, and he doesn't make any effort to make to collect food himself. He's preoccupied with the spiritual culture directly, and certainly we can benefit from his association, at least we can do is feed feed him, something like that. Hmm. And so that's called Madhukari. Hmm. Once I was uh, met with some criticism of my Guru Maharaj, or Mr. Pad, J.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Prabhupada, because uh, a fellow said that uh, that's the business of Renunciates to do madukari, not to fly around in big airplanes. Hmm. That's what he said. Imagine somebody saying that to you about your guru. I mean, it's just so unbecoming. Hmm. Um, so so un uh, so lacking an understanding of the very principle of of guru and the, 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 the faith that it's based on and so forth, rather than encouraging it because it comes in a different place. Um, uh, and even one where we see a very tangible result to, to criticize. Anyway, so I said, I said, yeah, I've heard that <laughs> kind of thing before. Um, and, um, but my groomer, she flew to New York to do Madhukari there, where there's no system. There's no system for beggars. So if you show up at the door in the Bowery in New York, you may not get a chapati. They don't even know what one is. There's no system. He went there and he lived on 
faith, his faith in the holy name, and and he uh, depended completely on that. And of course, he he got very tangible results from that. He got airplane tickets to keep going around the world and and uh, sharing his faith in the holy name. So if you if you look, the point being, if you look at the two situations, drop you off in the winter in New York. Hmm? Um, at in your uh, later part of your life, in your 60s, first time in the country, dressed in your pajamas, as it would seem, and uh, good luck, Hare Krishna. <laughs> or you say, one of my godbrothers I met one year in Vrindavan, and uh, we were chatting, and he said, tomorrow I'm going to such and such place in the Braj. You should come with me, he said. Madhukari is very good there. I said, Maharaj, <laughs> you don't understand Madhukari to say such a thing. He meant, there they butter the chapatis, you know, something like that. They give a lot over there. So this is the, this is the kind of thinking that Raghunath Das Goswami found surfacing in his own mind. He was living in Puri. He had given up the family life. His parents were very wealthy, so they were sending him an allowance every month. So he was taking the money and spending it by having festivals and inviting Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates to dine and so forth. And then after a while he thought, here I am in, as a renunciate and I'm getting an allowance from home. It's very unbecoming. So he, re- he refused to, um, to receive that allowance. And instead he went to the Singhadwara, the Lion's Gate, and people would come from the temple bearing some Mahaprasadam that they had gotten in the temple, and, and the beggars would be there, and they would give some Mahaprasadam. So he uh, he said, I found myself, more or less he said, I found myself thinking, that one gave today, that one didn't give, I'll avoid him, I'll go to him. And, uh, and so he was thinking about you know, filling his belly somehow or other, which was... Which was um, it's not the real the spirit of the the Madhukari. It's to uh, it's more to to give to those who are apparently giving the food by way of an example and precept of of the fact that eating is the cause of death. That's the course the lesson that Raj Parikshit Maharaj learned, and that's why he fasted to hear the Bhagavatam, mm. because he realized, I was hungry, I was thirsty, and on the basis of that, I did something unbecoming. I put a garland, a dead snake, around the head of a sage who didn't give me water mm. and food. Because of the pressing of my senses hmm, for material necessities, and catering to that, I'm dying. Because then he was cursed. I mean, the philosophical point is that... Hmm, that the they struggle to eat is the cause of, of the death. Hmm? Eating is killing us. We're taking, in other words. Mm-hmm. But as we take, and we owe, hmm? and so as we, which we're involved in the, in the taking rather than giving, we have to remain in the cycle of birth and death. Of course, it's a gradual way to wean oneself from that and become a giver and so on and so forth. Everybody can't be a Raghunath Goswami or Maharaj Parikshit, but these are philosophical points worth 
worth considering. Hmm. So Das Goswami, of course, then he went, he, he gave up the begging also at the, at the Singhadwara. Eventually he found him, his meals in the back of the temple where after the prasadam had been distributed, if there were some crumbs left and grains of rice, they would be given to the cows. And Raghunath Das was going there and what the cows had left behind, he was taking and grains of rice and washing them and eating them. And then one day Mahaprabhu came and snatched the rice from his hand and said, again, you're having festivals, and you did not invite me. Hmm? It's an example of how Mahaprabhu respected the renunciation of Raghunath Goswami, whose example we cannot follow. Hmm? But his example is important, like that of the other Goswamis in this regard, because at the time, one of the things that they were doing was trying to establish the fact that meditation on Radha and Krishna... Hmm, and bhakti was not any lesser of a renounced path and position than that of those who directly focus on renunciation. In other words, the Gyanmarg of the, uh, let's say, the, the followers of Shankar, that path proceeds by bairagya. So by we, it's, detachment is a method. <clears throat> by the cultivation of detachment, among other things, one is thought to make progress. And in bhakti, it's just the opposite. By the cultivation of attachment, we make progress. Attachment to devotees, attachment to Bhagwan, attachment to his name and so forth, by sangha. But as a result of attachment to Krishna, then it's understandable logically we will give up things that are not pleasing to Krishna. So the renunciation is just the natural letting go of things that aren't favorable to the object of our attachment and love. So it's in this way it's a byproduct. And this is a much more friendly way, if you will, of arriving at any kind of renunciation. Hmm? Rather than fasting, offering very nicely to Krishna, he happens to leave the remnants so often. So <laughs> it's easier. And, and uh, the classical example, and it's very beautiful in the Bhagavatam, is, is Uddhava. Hmm? Uddhava, he makes a statement, he says, in the Bhagavatam, he says, our, And our renunciation is that we wear the hand me downs of Krishna. Hmm? This is the royal life of Krishna. Krishna had fancy garments, royal vestments, and so forth. And every now and then he decided, I don't want to wear that one anymore. I'm tired of that outfit. And so Uddhava would get it. I don't know if it had four arms or two arms outfit. I guess they were both for different occasions. Because they're in Dwarka, sometimes they're manifest as two-armed and sometimes as four-armed. But at any rate, this is his point. To to the Gyanmarg, hmm? this is our renunciation. We wear the vestments of Krishna. He's like like this. You know? <laughs> this is what we do. Now, it's out, it's it's beautiful. It's, you know, instead of going naked and wearing ashes only, like the Himalayan babas, mean mean spirited fellows, they can be hmm? that kind of repression. Does uh, uh, can 
boil over. And you have the, the, the Bhagavatam is full of the stories of sages becoming pissed off and cursing somebody. Hmm. Right? So this, there's a lesson in that. Hmm. What is, what, there's some repression from Gyan alone. Hmm. There's, there's knowledge that comes in the context of bhakti that's not, uh, that won't have the same effect. So it's, 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 anyway, it's a beautiful thing. He says, we wear the vestments of Krishna rather than going naked or wearing ashes. Now it looks like, well, that's pretty nice, uh, pretty, pretty user-friendly, and I'm speaking about it as if it is. But then again, if we look at the core of what Uddhava is talking about, what do we find? Hmm? He is renouncing the very enjoying spirit, the spirit of being the center. In other words, he's a servant. He only wears what Krishna passes down. He only eats what Krishna leaves over. Hmm? It's one thing to try to stop being an exploiter, you follow me, and taking in the karmic realm. Hmm? And it's another thing to become a servant. That's a whole other step. Do you understand me? Hmm? So you can tr- you can try to stop taking, and there's paths like that. But what happens is the taking and the the, 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 the shallowness of a sense of being derived from taking or having hmm, is replaced with a, with a substantial sense of being in which I become much bigger. In other words, I am is much bigger than I am American or I am a man or I am a woman. Those are very small ideas. Those are senses of being derived from having. Hmm? If our sense of being is derived from our having, we, we don't have much of an existence because we don't have anything for, for very long, if at all. Hmm? So from having to being, from the false identity of I am this or I am that, all of which is related to matter, to the fact that I am. I am a unit of experiential existence. I'm not like matter, which is non-experiential. Therefore, unlike all forms of matter, I'm not constrained by time and space. So I survive the, the, the demise of this particular combination of, of elements within time and space. It's a big thing. I am eternal. But it's all about, it's I am. I am. And I am a servant, that's a whole other thing. Right? That's like, uh, it's, in a sense, it's easier to just do the I am hmm, than I am a servant. You have to, then you're always on call 24 7. And this is why Krishna Prabhupada once said that, that the deity is, a, is, is the form of Krishna, Krishna appearing in a form that you can handle. I mean, you can pick him up, you can handle him in that way, but you can also handle because he doesn't talk too much. Mm-hmm. And if he starts talking, which may be your goal, then you've got a big problem. Because then he would say, I want more of this. Anior, anior, anior. As Govardhan said, give me more. And they gave him stacks and mountains of chapatis and rice, and it's the whole story, of course. <laughs> and he still, he said, 
Ani or, ani or, give me more. He'll keep you very, very busy. In other words, your little corner that you put him in, in the closet, it will become the whole house, the whole center. Everything will be centered around that. Very busy. So, so if you really, if the problem is the exploiting ego, where we're taking in order to live, we're killing in order to live, then the solution, comprehensively, to do away with the enjoying ego is not just to try to do away with the enjoying ego, but to cultivate a serving ego, which is the antithesis of that. So the best defense is a good offense. Now, it's easy to wear Krishna's vestments in comparison to walking around dressed in ashes. That's true. Hmm. But to be a servant... That's not so easy. Right? That's, the, that's the heart of that. It's a very comprehensive approach to renunciation. So the Goswamis, like Raghunath Das Goswami, wanted to teach us that we're not like, you know, we, we're not, bhakti is not just a sentiment. It, it's, 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 it, it's a heart inside of a body with a head of Vedanta. It's a heart with a head of Vedanta. It's not just... Uh, sentimental, uh, mm, touchy, feely type of affectionate, so-called affectionate life. I'm okay and you're okay. It's not like that. It's grounded in Vedanta. It's, well, wise love. It's well thought out. What am I to start with? Not talking about being happy and loving. That's all good, but what are you? This is a question, right? And then, from that perspective, whether we're, are we are you a materialist? Are you are you physical? Then, then it's questionable what, <laughs> whether there's any love, right? If there's if if, if you're a transcendentalist, a mystic, then of what persuasion? Of knowledge or of love? And anyway, so on. So bhakti, very beautiful idea. Hmm? And the renunciation in this very comprehensive. And the Goswamis were establishing a sampradaya, a lineage, and here they were. I mean, we, we see it in Chaitanya Charitamrita, in the chapter we just read. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was dancing in the public with instruments and other fanatics, and uh, as it would appear. And those who were, who were visibly thought to be the spiritual people, the sannyasis, they're all sitting there real sober, and looking at this display and thinking, what is this? This isn't the business of a sannyasi. And they had largely a monopoly on the spirituality. The Advaitins and their religious uh, renunciate, the Advaitin renunciates, the sannyasis, and their religious counterpart, the um, smartas, smartas. So they had uh, you know, the, the, the religious turf and spiritual turf covered and in order to to attain their dry idea of mukti you had to be born as a brahmin and in one of those lives born as a brahmin become a sannyasi and walk off naked into the himalayas something like that so that you could so you could merge into brahman and so they were, because vairagya, detachment, is part of the path itself, it's cultivated directly. And this dressing in ashes is an example of that. Um, 
the, the Goswamis, I mean, there's no need for that, right, in bhakti. And again, Uddhava is wearing the vestments of Krishna. So he's not looking overtly like a renunciate. He's looking like an enjoyer, like a prince, like a royal person. Something like that. Uh, there are other examples in the Bhagavad Ambarish Maharaj, Parikshit was the emperor, and so on and so forth. These are ostensibly the worldly um, positions. You have the two stories, the stories of kings throughout the Bhagavad, many stories of kings. All of them are saying, among other things, you know, having money is not having everything. Uh, you could be have every all the money and still not be happy. But there are also the stories of the devotee kings, right? Hmm? Parikshit Maharaj is central, Yudhisthira Maharaj, and Ambarish Maharaj, and so forth. And they look like worldly people. Therefore, Vaishnavera Kriyamudrabhidin Abhujaya. Again, we are citing this. It's difficult to understand the Vaishnava, what is his heart, and so forth. But the Goswamis, in establishing the Gaudiya Sampradaya in their time, they apparently felt that they had to set some overt standard of renunciation in order to register with the people that they were spiritual and to make the point that Radha and Krishna's Leela is, 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 well, it appears to be the love affair of a young couple. It's a, it's a, it's a transcendental affair. Hmm? So anyway, Das Goswami set a very high standard of renunciation and Madhavindapuri did so similarly in the Brudge. There he was living. He did not go and directly um, procure. He did not also either go by begging. Hmm? What did he eat? We don't know. But he sat and he said at, at Govardhan and there he chanted. Hmm? And in the context of his his bhajan, in the midst of his bhajan, a young boy appeared and brought him a pot of milk, condensed milk, very nourishing, some sweet rice, something like that. And he said, who are you? And he was very charmed by the boy. And he said, this is my village. I live here. I preside here. And there are people here who maintain themselves by agriculture, by growing food, for example, or trading their own wares for food. There are those who, who only eat but what, what comes to them by begging. And for those who don't do either of these, I come and I feed them. So please, you drink this. So there he he, he drank. He was a Sharanagata. He was Gopritve Varanam Tata. This is the center of Sharanagati that dependent, completely dependent upon Krishna. Hmm? And, and this is how it played out in his life. A very extraordinary standard. And then he went, he, he dozed a little in the night, sleeping, and then in the night he had a dream. And the same boy that had come to him before his eyes, bringing him the condensed milk, said, actually, I reside here, but most people don't know it, and I'm hidden. They, I'm hidden in the bushes. And it's, I've been here for a long time, and it's hot, and summer especially. So you, you, please come and, and get me out. And he woke from his dream. The dream broke, and he woke, and he realized the boy was Krishna. 
had come to him. Hmm? And that he was somewhere in the, in the jungle, in the deity form. Hmm? And so, in the morning, this beggar, right, nobody knows him, he's just living out under a tree, different tree every night, went to the village and said, and, and it was by the measure of his enthusiasm and realization and insight, he was able to speak in such a compelling way that all the village men came together to assist him and go through the brush, cutting and cutting and looking for the deity of Krishna. He was able to the strength that it wasn't philosophical or anything. I had a dream. I had a dream. Mm-hmm. And in the dream, there was Krishna. And there was, and he was offering freedom to everyone. Freedom through slavery. Divine slavery. It's a little different dream. Anyway, he was, he was able to to rouse the whole village to assist him. What is this, the power of his 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 experience? He didn't have to convince them philosophically this that. And I had a dream, and they said they could see it in him. It was contagious. Something like so. They all gathered together, and they and they found the deity that had been hidden there, perhaps from previous times when the Mughals attacked, as they would the temples and. Uh, and do religious, uh, sacrilegious activities by trying to destroy the temples and the deities. So the devotees hid the deity and the temple was demolished and the deity had been there for a long time. So uh, Nathji was found and then he told it further in a dream, establish me on the hill, on the Gobardhan Hill and make a festival. And so the enthusiasm of Madhavindapuri continued such that everybody, all the women cooked and the men prepared, uh, made a temple, and they made, and everybody came, the whole village, with mountains of chapatis, and mountains of rice, and mountains of sweet balls, and so all stacked up and offered to the deity. And when the whole village had done this and completed it, surrounding villages wanted to have the chance to do it as well, as it's described in Chaitanya Charitamrita. So for a week or so, now it's your village's turn, and everybody would come and cook, and the whole thing, bring an offer to the to the deity of uh, of, of Krishna on Govardhan Hill. Hmm? So this is the Anukut festival. This is they were doing the Govardhan puja. This is, of course, how it's described in the Bhagavatam that all of the inhabitants of Vrindavan came forward and offered stacks of chapatis and mounds of rice and and so on and so forth. We'll, we'll get to that. But but uh, as the preface, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the story is told in Chaitanya Charitamrita of the Param Guru of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his finding of the Nathji and his celebrating of the Anukut, of the Govardhan Puja. It's basically a cel- the, the, f- the first kind of celebration of Govardhan Puja in the Gaudi Sampradaya on the part of the Param Guru of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mm-hmm. And then, so a good beginning hmm, to enter the, to, the Krishna Leela. Of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, later he came to Vrindavan and he wanted to have the darshan of Gopal deity that Madhavendra Puri had found, but 
he had such regard for Govardhan Hill that he was reluctant to walk on the hill itself. In the Bhagavatam, Krishna himself shows himself to be the hill, right? So he didn't want to walk on the hill. And uh, and then Krishna made an arrangement, Gopaldidi made an arrangement that the Mughals would attack that night. Hmm? And the devotees would take the deity and off the hill and hide them in a, in a, in a little temple. It was just near where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was, was staying. So that Mahaprabhu then got the darshan. Hmm? Afterwards, then the Mughals left and the deity went back up. Hmm? Later, Rupa Goswami came to Vrindavan. He wanted to have the darshan of Gopal. And he thought how it was he'd heard the story, how that Gopal had come down off the hill hmm? by his own arrangement, by bringing in the Mughals, and so that, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could have the darshan. He was marveling at this. And the same thing happened then for him. The Mughals attacked, the deity was and moved, and he had the darshan of the Gopal deity. So, these are some nice uh, remembrances of Govardhan Leela in Chaitanya Leela. And of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was given a stone from Govardhan, a small stone. And that stone he used to worship, bathing him every day with his tears. And he would rub him, massage him, and bathe him. And if you go to the Radha temple in Vrindavan, that stone is there. It's about like, you know, maybe an inch by an inch. Hmm? And it's garlanded with the Gunjamala, little beads, that uh, red, and, red and black beans, kind of that turned into beads that uh, um, make a necklace out of them, right? And there, there's an indentation in the stone. It's very smooth. And there's an indentation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's thumbprint. Hmm? When holding it, one day it melted. Hmm? That's how how well received was the worship. Uh, um, well received on the part of the stone was the worship of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with such feeling hmm? that the stone melted and his thumbprint is there. Hmm? Then he gave that stone to who? To Raghunath Das. Hmm? And the Gunjamala. And when he received the Govardhan Shila, then he thought, Mahaprabhu has given me a place at Govardhan. Hmm? Mahaprabhu would wear the Gunjamala around his neck at the time that he would worship the deity by holding him and, and weeping. That was, the, that was the Seva Puja every morning. Hmm? And so he gave the stone, and then he gave the Gunjamala. And Raghunathas concluded, he's given me a place at Govardhan in the Leela, in the eternal Leela. Mm-hmm. And, and that in the service of Radha. Hmm? Mahaprabhu taught him just how to worship the Govardhan Shila. Very simply, he was given instructions. A little Ganga Jal, some Tulsi leaves, Tulsi Manjaris. Hmm? It's uh, different than the normal requirements and procedures for worshiping the Vishnu Shaligram. Many, many items are required, 64 items, do it right, and so many things. So some, of course, foolish Brahmins, Kali Yuga Brahmins, reasoned, oh, well, this guy Raghunath Das, he was not a Brahmin. So he couldn't worship the shalagram. 
So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave him some stone for Govardhan, whatever that is, because hmm? he's not qualified to worship, to do archan. Hmm? Whereas, never mind that archan is an anga of bhakti. Hmm? Shravanam, kirtanam, smaranam, parasevanam, archanam, bandhanam, dasyam, sakyamatamadimadam, given by Prahlad Maharaj. Any Vaishnav has eligibility to worship the deity. Hmm? And some guru may require come to a certain standard or whatnot, but it's uh, certainly Raghunath Das was, was highly qualified. Hmm? Indeed, the Govardhan Shila apparently requires much less for the worship, which would apparently mean that he's be, he can be worshipped by a less qualified person. Hmm? than the Shalagram. But the fact is just the opposite. Hmm? You see, the more there is love, the less there is a need for laws, rules, procedures, and the less things are involved. Hmm? And the less there is love, the more there is need for things. I will offer things because I love things. So let me offer the things. And that way, I kind of offer myself hmm? indirectly in all the rules and procedures and so on and so forth. Whereas the, in, in love, then, Mahaprabhu was just bathing him with, the te- with his tears. In other words, you have to give your whole heart to worship the Govardhan. It's a rag, he's a Ragmark deity. He's come from, from Vrindavan. What is a stone in Vrindavan compared to a Shaligram? So the Govardhan Shiva actually requires more Adhikari. More eligibility. At least you have to have your sights set on Vrindavan, this ideal, whole Pujala Raga Patagodava Bhangi Matalahari Janakirtanarangi. Keep that over your head. Hmm? Offer some worship and do the Kirtan, the Sankirtan, of, which is the main method of uh, given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And so Raghunath Das, most qualified, more qualified than any than the Brahman, right? Hmm? In this way, Govardhan Lila shows up, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, another way, of course, he saw that at a certain point he started to see, he he saw, for example, the sand dune in Puri, he thought it was Govardhan Hill. And he just ran after it, chanting a verse from the Bhagavatam, Venu Gita, said to be spoken by Radha herself, glorifying Govardhan Hill. And he passed out Along the way, went into a trance, found himself at Govardhan Hill, and got opportunity to render service like a Munjari to to Radha and Krishna as an attendant of the of the Sakis. So these are some instances in which the Govardhan Lila hmm, shows up, if you will, importance of Govardhan in Gaur Lila. Hmm. And the Leela itself, as I say, is, is beautifully played out in the Bhagavatam in a number of chapters. We read a nice explanation, a concise and insightful explanation of it this morning, given by Pujapad Bhakti Raksaksidadeva Goswami Maharaj. And um, he made some significant points there. Um, as I say, uh, it is a Leela that plays out in story form the concluding verse of the Bhagavad Gita. 
the Bhagavad Gita concludes with the idea of doing Sharanagati, depending only on Krishna, not on any other gods, goddesses, all of whom are dependent upon for different things. Right? Worship the sun god for this, and the moon god for that, and the wind god for this, and that, and so on and so forth. But all of whom, in, in terms of the gods and goddesses' ability to bestow anything, benediction is also, as Krishna says in the Gita, dependent upon him. Hmm? So, Gita concludes by saying, give up this Varnashram in which there's a worship of all these different gods and goddesses. And Vishnu worship is included as if it's just, he's just another god. Hmm? But don't think like that. And that worship is all about worshiping to get something. That's, uh, so it's, it's not, it's the low end of loving. Like I said, in a certain point in Vrindavan when we used to go there, then all the shopkeepers would have Prabhupada's picture there. And we would think, oh, he's, he likes Prabhupada. <laughs> no, he likes your business and he knows that you like Prabhupada, so he likes Prabhupada too. But he, he likes the picture, he puts the garland, he says, oh, Prabhupada, Swami Prabhupada, but if you can hear well enough from his heart, he's saying, I love your business. I love your money. <laughs> so this is Varnashram. This is what it's about. Hmm. Yeah, so Mahaprabhu said, that's not the goal of life. That's not the, the, the ultimate um, in, in religious and spiritual adherence and, and pursuits. Hmm. No, something much more than that. We haven't even gotten to what consciousness is here. We're, we're worshiping God for things. God, how boring. From God's perspective, you are not a thing, and you want things. Hmm? Your consciousness, not matter, and you want matter, hmm? which doesn't matter hmm? unless you matter about it. So, you are so much more significant. Hmm? But that's what you want, okay? So, but no, he's a good God. So he tries to bring us a little further along. <laughs> um, no, this is the end, the end of the Gita. Don't do Varnashram. Hmm? It means there are many gods, worship worship many gods, worship no god, it means. Hmm? Really. So, one god instead. One god. Ma may come. Only me, he says. Hmm? And, and, uh, and what? I will protect you. And this call for Sharnagati, Sharnagati is the outer expression of Shraddha, of faith. Faith is tangible, and it, its tangible expression is in the sixfold sharanagati, which is an anga of, of bhakti. And the central uh, hub, the the tatasta, the, the sarup lakshan, the primary characteristic of sharanagati is dependence, gopritve varanam tata, dependence, a mood of dependence. For each of these limbs of sharanagati, there's a mood that corresponds with them. Like... Anukul Pratikul, giving up the unfavorable, accepting the favorable. The mood behind it is a is a commitment, like a promise. I promise I won't I will chant this many rounds and I won't forego that. Hmm? This is the mood behind accepting the favorable, rejecting the unfavorable. Then some Vishvashvo. This is, means confidence. Confidence, Krishna will protect me. So the mood is vishvas. It's it's that we spoke about it with another term last night. Um, vishramba, 
Hmm? Vishwamena Guru Seva, we were speaking about that. So, confidence, Krishna will protect me. Hmm? And dependence, Goprutve Varanam Krishna will, will sustain me. Hmm? And then humility, which is this mood of its own, and self-resignation, Atmanic shape, hmm? I resign myself over to him, what, like an animal with its owner, hmm? something like that. So these are the angas, the limbs of Sharanagati and the moods behind them. And the central hub of that is this Gopritvevaram Tathata, dependence upon Krishna not upon any other god or goddess, for example. And this is what we call, as I say, in Bhagavad Gita, the, 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 the Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsi Thakka referred to it as the clarion call, the flute sound of Krishna. Hmm? Pujapachitamarsh very beautifully uh, renders the, the verse with his explanation that, that here's the conclusion of the Gita, and Krishna says, Sarva Dharman Pratyaja Mami Kam Saranam Braja. Here the word Braja is a verb. It means come to me. So give up all other dharmas, ideas of dharma, worship of different gods and goddesses, just and come to me alone. But a word may have different meanings. And the primary meaning is the meaning that it most readily brings to mind. So amongst devotees, the word Braj means Vrindavan. Oh, so that's not the meaning in the verse, but Siddhartha Maharaj said, when Krishna said this, his own mind went to Braj. Then he couldn't speak anymore. End of the Bhagavad Gita. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. He's, he's attracted there. And, it's open. And, this is the, and this is how you have to go, to go there. You have to become... A surrendered soul. Hmm? And Braj is a place of movement. Hmm? It, everyone there is following the movement of what? What are they following? It's a moving place. It's, I'll give you a hint, it's a nomadic environment. Uh, huh? They're following the cows. That's what they're doing. The cow followers, cow people. Hmm? Yes, they need new... And so, so Krishna's born in Mahavan, uh, Gokul, and then for more grasses, fresh grasses, they come to Vrindavan and, and Govardhan. And beautiful story describing this and so forth. It also means that that the spiritual life, the Vrindavan life, it's very flexible. Hmm? There's, there's, there's openness to... Uh, it's not uh, black and white, set in one's way, it's rigid, it's very flexible. Hmm? You have to be ready to move, something like that. Turn left, turn right, uh, stand up, sit down. Prabhupada had us like this, stand up, sit down. I said stand up, sit down. Uh, we were we were very, uh, of course it was out of affection for him, not really out of ordering in some way. We never felt it was like some order or law that was onerous and but it was uh, uh, moved, we were moved by his uh, affectionate uh, dealings and and the ideas that he had were so exciting to us. Hmm? So Jiva Goswami explains the Braj as as all things possible, hmm? all things po- every all things harmonized. 
And that's what, it, if you look carefully at it, everything's harmonized there. Hmm. Everything is going on there. Hmm. But it's okay. I guess, if you get the point, because Krishna is the center. As I said before, one devotee asked me, Maharaj, is there any real sex life in the spiritual world? I mean, you know, real sex life. And I replied, no, you don't understand. There's no real sex life in the material world. Hmm? Everything centered on Krishna. Hmm? Even qualities that aren't centered on Krishna are only shadows of such in this world. Honesty amongst thieves. <laughs> what is that? To share the loot, honestly. Hmm. Hmm. We have a criminal tendency in this world that is the influence of karma, so to be an honest person. Hmm. The word satam, honest, it's synonymous with devotee. Dharma projitikaita votra paramoni or saranam satam. Satam prasangam Throughout the Bhagavatam, this is coming up. Truthful, thoroughly honest, truthful. This is the devotee. Hmm? This is the, you know, the, a lot of people think of themselves that they're going to be just really hip hop honest, you know, and just tell it like it is and so forth. Well, we have a challenge for them in that regard. How honest, how honest can you be? Hmm? Stop taking. In that spirit, a young man asked me not long ago, sounds really good and everything, but, but you know, what about, you know, they're doing this and they're doing that and they're doing this and they're doing, you know, the corporatism and politicians and how are we going to protect ourselves from them? And I said, when you understand that you are them, then, then you can begin to make a solution to the problem. It's just like a herd of cows. If you see one one small cow in the herd always getting pushed around, you know, so you feel sorry for her with your human sensibilities and so forth, and then you put her in a herd where she's bigger, and then she'll start pushing everybody around. <laughs> hmm. This is unfortunately uh, the, uh, the nature of, of uh, the animal in us, if you will. Hmm. Of course... Not the most pleasant example to use because cows, we love them, and, and they, they, they are, again, that which Brindaban is moving around. Cows are givers. That's the idea in all the literature and art, and Krishna is depicted as being surrounded by cows. The implication is that the cows are givers. They eat grass which grows even on concrete. And for that, they give milk. Now you compare milk to grass, and and for, from a human perspective, obviously, and a calf's perspective too, the, grass, the cow is much better. The cat, the milk is much better than the grass. Hmm? Much more valuable. So they give it practically for nothing. Hmm? So they're in everything about the cow in Hindu culture. We find everything about it. The cow is useful for human society to be used. Even the Murdanga drum is made from the cows who have passed away naturally. The leather straps and so forth, used in kirtan and, uh, and so forth. And the ghee and, uh, and the cow dung and the ura and everything. About the, it's an amazing animal. Hmm? And uh, for the various human 
issues uh, and for religious purposes and so forth. Um, the idea of the sacred cow in India is it's, it's a very well thought out um, idea, actually. It, uh, I saw a, a documentary many years ago in which it traced out or tried to trace out the meeting between humanity and, and animality in the form of cows, the first domesticated animals. And it said, the document said, we don't know whether the cows domesticated the humans or the humans domesticated the cows. The cows made the humans civilized. They were hunters and gatherers. They were killing cows. And the cow said, don't kill me, and I will, I will give you more. If you keep me, I will give you more than if you kill me. If you kill me, then you can eat me for a few months, and then you'll be out. But if you keep me, hmm, my husband here, bull, he will till the field. Hmm? Hmm? And you can learn to grow. And you can grow more food. You can store a whole bunch of grain for years to come from one season hmm, of, of keeping the cow, taking care of the cow. And mother cow said, and I will give you milk. Hmm? And so humans became civilized. And from hunters and gatherers, the ideas, they became agriculturalists. They, used, they started to use their brain. That's why they say milk is good for the brain. <laughs> it makes you think more deeply. It's hmm? the idea. So... So they were there. There, the cows are thought to be givers, and we are taught in bhakti to be dependent, to be givers. And we may think the question may come into our mind: If I only give, then who will take care of me? And that's when Krishna appears. His name is Gopal, who protects the cows, protects the givers. He takes care of them personally. This is Vrindavan. It's a cow place. It is in. It is in the. It has. You have to get there by crossing an ocean of milk. Milk is representing representing affection, hmm? love. You have to swim the whole ocean of affection to get there. You have to bathe in affection, love. This is Vrindavan, hmm? and there in that place in Vrindavan, Krishna wanted to, the Govardhan leader to establish the the the, the fact. It was already a fact that he was the center. But he wanted to do it overtly because ostensibly they were engaged in the Varnashram and in this instance, for example, worshipping Indra and dependent upon Indra for rains and so on and so forth. They're going through religious motions in terms of Varnashram, in terms of Vaidhi Bhakti. Nanamarja's house is the Shaligram Narasimha that they worship. But as I said before, how does Nanda Maharaj do Artik in his house? He offers the Artik, or he has Manumangal offer Artik. Hey, Manumangal, you're a Brahmin, you offer the Artik. Yeah. He offers the Artik. Everybody watches the Festival of Lights and participates. But just like when you offer the Artik, your mind is somewhere else often. Hmm. But their minds are on Krishna. <laughs> so there's a, there's a show of religious... Life, Varnashram, the show of Vaidhi Bhakti, it means all of Varnashram and its sensibilities, the good of it is all there in Vrindavan. Everything that you can get from Vaidhi Bhakti is also there in Vrindavan. Hmm? And 
so much more in the Ragmarg. Hmm? So much more means so much more closer to God you can get. In Varnashram, you can't get too close. It's just a business deal. In Vaidhi Bhakti, you can live in his plan, his planet, Salokya. Hmm? But he's there and you're here and the distance is bridged by Om, Narayana, worship. And in Vrindavan, the object of worship, the worshiper, and the worship, they all become one. Hmm? In love, we become one. You and I become we, the dynamic one. Hmm? They have no thoughts, no desires other than Krishna's desires. This is this is Bhakti. Rishikena Rishikesha Sevanam, Bhakti Ruchite. Krishna's desires become their desires. They have no other desire. This is particularly in the Braj, more not in Mathura and in Dwarka, not to the same extent. Hmm? They have some sense of separateness. Hmm? Some sense of Vedic Dharma. Rukmini could never become a Parakyav lover. She just went as far as she could and asked for a, for a what do they call it? Rakshasha marriage? What is that they call it? A kidnap marriage, she wrote. Send it with a Brahmin. Kidnap me. She would never just leave and go elope with him or something like that because it was not right according to the Barna, according to the Dharma, according to the Veda and so forth. The Vedas are thrown out the window in Vrindavan. Gyanshunya Bhakti. This is the idea. What kind of intimacy is And this, in order to go there, this first step, this Sharanagati must be put in place. And the whole Leela of Gobran is showing this. So they are worshipping Indra. Of course, that's a problem. It's said that um, during the Damodar Leela, Krishna had been going out and stealing milk and butter and yogurt from other houses, and the ladies all complained. Mother Yasoda was in denial about it. But, you know, when you're in denial about something and you give all these excuses, and then she would say, well, you know, it's not his fault if he comes to your house and your butter's right there. Why don't you hang it up? We do that. Hmm? But still he climbs up, you know, on top of someone else and gets, well, why don't you put it in the dark? Well, we do that. But he lights the place up when he comes in by his effulgence. So one excuse after another, she's in denial. But when you're in denial, you know when you're alone, actually he was right. So it's good to preach sometimes, even people don't listen. They got a little bit of honesty and then they got a thing. You give them a nightmare at night. You, he knows he was wrong. I was wrong. I didn't have the answer. Darn it. <laughs> so anyway, she went home and, and so it came out. Well, what kind of husband are you? Nanda, what kind of king of the cowherds are you? What kind of father? Are you? Your son is going out and stealing yogurt and butter from the other people, and you have nine hundred thousand cows. Hmm? You can't even get the, 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 the enough milk to keep your son at home. <laughs> and so, okay, okay. And he got some special cows from the herd, put them on special grasses. It was that milk that was boiling on the stove. Hmm? At the time of the year, this time of year, for the Indriyagya. And so Mother Yasoda was home. None of the nursemaids or assistants were in the house. They were all arranging for the Indrapuja, Indriyagya. So then she met with this dilemma. Shall I, the milk is boiling over. It's special milk for Krishna. 
Shall I put Krishna down who's suckling my breast to take the milk or let the milk boil over? So she opted for Tadiya Seva, to serve that which is dear to Krishna and put Krishna down. And Krishna complained. Hmm? Actually very pleasing to Krishna, but, but he complained. And then of course she caught him and tied him up with a ribbon in her hair and so on and so forth. And he was traumatized. Mother tied him up hmm? in the courtyard and trees fell down. And he came, ah. So he was, he was traumatized as a youth. And when he grew, out a little, grew a little older, now he's seven years old in the Govardhan Leela. He asked his father, what's this all about, this Indra Yagya? Hmm? Oh, we do this because we do it every year and, and uh, everybody, everybody comes out and participates in this and he realizes, well, that was go- what was going on when I was you know, psychologically damaged in my youth. <laughs> and, it's, uh, and Indra, he's the culprit. This is the guy that's to, to blame, so... He says, I don't think we should worship him. And, and he speaks different philosophies of the time to convince Nanda Maharaj, who's not convinced by the arguments of Krishna. He gives arguments from Nyaya, from Vaisheshika, from Sankhya philosophy, and so forth. Why we should just worship, uh, why we shouldn't worship Binder, we should worship Govardhan Hill. Nanda Maharaj is convinced just by the charm of a seven year old boy citing all the current philosophical systems of the time he's looking at him like oh, just like if it, you know your son says something you know profound we go whoa he's only you know four years old in a, in a few days and and see how he he, he does seem to be rather profound uh, so anyway so Krishna charmed Nanda Maharaj and then Nanda Maharaj naturally convinced everybody else we're going to throw the Indra Yagi what are you talking about and we're just going to worship Govardhan Hill. And Krishna said to do it. Like, okay, well, let's do it. You know? <laughs> and so, and here he is like this, right? He ultimately, of course, Indra sends the, the deluge, and he's upset, and Krishna lifts the hill. Everyone is protected. And, you know, everything, the hill, it becomes a person, is Krishna. The rain is personified by, by Indra. The idea here is that 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 matter is an idea. Matter itself is an idea. Hmm? It exists. We're not um, mayavadins who deny the existence of the material world, but it's not what it appears to be. But a stone is an idea. Hmm? But stones don't have ideas. Stone is an idea, but stones don't have ideas. Hmm? So a stone is a conception. Hmm? Call it a house. Ask the wood. Is that what it is? No. That's our idea. Hmm? It's a, so there's consciousness behind all of the configurations of, 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 of matter, so to speak. And so in a, in a microcosmic sense, so it's extended in Hinduism to include the whole, the whole macrocosm. Hmm? It means simply that conscious, it's just a way of saying Indra is a way of saying consciousness. Consciousness comes from person. There is consciousness. There are persons behind everything. Ultimately, it's Krishna. Hmm? Reality is a person. It's just not you. You're you're part of that person. Just like the Gaia. You know what was his name? That the physicist Lovejoy. Who got the Gaia principle? He said the the Earth is an orgasm. 
or not an orgasm. No, it's a it's an or, organic. Sorry, it's a it's an organism. Excuse me, <laughs> both I guess, but it's or, 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 or an organism. It's an organism. It's alive as a you know composite, right? So we say in an extended way, reality is a person. Jagadavyaktamurtina, Krishna said, the world is is my form. It's, it's more than that too. It's a panentheistic, panentheistic idea, but but reality is a person, and we're part of that. We are part. Where we one of the shaktis, a part of one of the shaktis of that person who's not independent of who of his shaktis. So he's the fountainhead of them, but. But he lives in conjunction with his shakti. He and his, he to be explained fully, we must explain him in terms of his himself and his shaktis, the powerful and the power powers. Hmm. So, Indra, the sky god, and uh, and Krishna, sky god is one thing, and he, he he's a creation, and Krishna is the creator, something like that. So. In the Govardhan Lila, he shows himself to be the hill and he draws everyone's attention to simply taking shelter of Vrindavan, which is non-different than himself. Araja, Bhagavan, Brajesha, Tanayas, Taddama, Vrindavanam. And the whole of Vrindavan, the whole of them, they're all premikas, what to speak of Sharanagatas. It's a small thing to be a Sharanagata in relation to being a premika, filled with prem. But these premikas, they show an example of Sharanagati in the Leela, to teach all of us. This is, and it's a big Leela, played out over several chapters, a big lesson, many things to be learned from there, but this is the central lesson. Dusharanagati, and this is how the Gita concludes. So, again, Bhagavat is the theological sequel. So there's many things we could say, but this is the basic point tonight, right? We've gone on for quite some time. What is the time? 8.30. 8.30. Shri Rajkobran ki jai Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu ki jai Madhavendra Puri ji ki jai Gaur Premanande Vanchakalpa Tarujas Chakri Prasandu Vyavacha Patitanam Pavane Vyavashna Vyavacha